Welcome to Access Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Brought to you by America's beverage companies. I'm Dan Mac. On today's show, new troubles for Boeing and the auto world's latest mega merger. But first, Twitter pokes Facebook. So yesterday afternoon, just minutes before Facebook was set to report quarterly earnings, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey announced that his company will no longer accept political advertising, beginning in a few weeks. That means no more paid Twitter ads from candidates, nor from those pushing political agendas, outside of a few bipartisan things like voter registration. In Dorsey's words, quote, we believe political message reach should be earned, not bought, end quote. In other words, lots of retweets, not lots of dollars. Now, Twitter's move stands in stark contrast to Facebook's message to politicians, which has basically been, we will let you pay to run just about anything you want and won't subject you to the same fact checking that all of our other advertisers go through. Twitter's move forced Mark Zuckerberg to address this further during the earnings call. And like when he was questioned about it on Capitol Hill by AOC last week, he blathered on a bit about free speech without really addressing the fundamental issue, the one about his users becoming more misinformed. Now, to be clear, Twitter makes a lot less money from political ads than does Facebook, so had a lot less to lose. And politicians themselves will still be able to put out messages, including misinformation, through their personal Twitter accounts. But what Dorsey's done highlights how social networks are basically being forced to make up their own rules on political ads because Congress and the Federal Elections Commission, they're not doing it. And until that changes, it will be very difficult for social media users to know who and what to trust. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Freed. But first, this. ProRata is presented by America's Beverage Companies. Our plastic bottles are 100% recyclable, including the caps. We're working together to reduce our industry's plastic footprint with a new initiative called Every Bottle Back. Because the more bottles we remake, the less new plastic we use. Learn more at everybottleback.org. We're joined now by Axios Chief Tech Correspondent Ina Freed. You see Jack Dorsey's tweet storm yesterday, just minutes before Facebook earnings, and your first thought was what? Nice move. I mean, you know, I think for Twitter, it's a chance to stand out. You know, I think it's often lumped together with Facebook. It's smaller than Facebook. It has less resources. And this was a chance for the company to stand out in a way that doesn't hurt it that much financially. Is it a little disingenuous in the sense of, okay, so they're not going to take money from politicians to potentially misinform. And by the way, it's not just to misinform, it's to potentially, you know, legitimately inform. They're not going to take money, but they're still going to let politicians amplify their messages or interest groups amplify their messages via the Twitter platform. They're not blocking that. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty to criticize all the platforms and in particular Facebook and Twitter about. No one comes out of this as perfect or clean. There's still a lot of questions for both Facebook and Twitter. Paid advertising is only one component of how people are using social platforms. And banning ads, don't get me wrong, isn't perfect. I think it's one of those things where unless you can guarantee you're not contributing to misinformation, it's probably a good step, but it's not without its consequences. There's a case to be made for political ads. In one of those potential cases and, and where we're hearing a little bit of pushback is this concept that without uh, for Twitter, that blocking paid political ads makes it much more difficult for lesser known candidates to get their message out. So, for example, if you're starting, you know, if you're a lesser known candidate and forget president, you know, maybe, you know, for a state race, for example, and you only start with, you know, 20,000, 40,000 followers, it is harder to get your message out than, say, an incumbent who might have millions already baked in. Definitely. That's one of the legitimate arguments for it. And again, I I don't think this is a simple case. 
But I do think this is a case where neither Facebook nor Twitter is really in a position to prevent their platform from being misused. And I would argue, unless you can prevent or do a pretty good job of keeping your platform from being misused, probably it's better not to be used. But there is a downside, and there is a cost to, again, smaller candidates. I do think banning political advertisement on any platform, if you take an important platform away, favors the incumbents because they have more tools at their disposal. Obviously, you know, this comes out right before Facebook earnings. So Zuckerberg was probably going to get asked about this general topic anyway, but obviously the Twitter move put him more on the hot seat from it. So he gets asked, he gives an answer. From my perspective, it wasn't much better than what happened when he got grilled by AOC on Capitol Hill last week. Do you think he did a better job? Does he have a, is he working this message out a little bit more convincingly or still not yet? He has a case. There is an argument. We've talked about what that argument is, why there's a benefit. I think there's a really good case to be made that the downsides outweigh the benefits here. And I think there's going to be more pressure. And look, Facebook can't even enforce its own policy. So, you know, we had, he said, you know, yeah, probably AOC, you could lie about whether the Republicans support the Green New Deal. They were able to survive one bullet when a political action committee took him up on that and ran the ads. They said, well, our policy only extends to candidates, which is true. That's what they'd said. So they took down an ad from a political action committee saying Lindsey Graham supports the Green New Deal. But then someone called their bluff better. This guy in California registered to run in an election just so he could run fake ads on Facebook. And then Facebook came up with what, in my opinion, is a pretty lame thing and saying, oh, well, you can't do that because you said that's what your purpose is. Well, I mean, he, he exposed the flaw in the system. You know, again, I think unless the platform's can do a better job, they probably shouldn't be in the business of taking political ads. This difference between the two, and look, and we obviously, when we have these conversations for some reason, YouTube slash Google somehow almost always get left out, even though they are very much on the Facebook side of this. For some reason, it's Zuckerberg who always gets asked the questions, and, and, and Google gets to kind of sit it out for unclear reasons. It's a super important point, and I totally agree with you, because Google's in the same position. And arguably has greater reach, is what's really happening, is what Zuckerberg really saying, even though he's not saying explicitly, is... What we really need are some official rules of the road. You know, Zuckerberg talks constantly about the rules on broadcast television stations when it comes to this. And their broadcast TV stations aren't really allowed to stop political ads based on content. Is what he's really saying, hey, Congress, we've been around for a while, we being social media, give us rules, we'll follow them. You know, I think that's sort of the second part, and it's the weaker part. It is part of the argument, but I think, you know, Facebook and others use it when it's convenient. They don't want to be heavily regulated, but, you know, every now and then when there's a tough call, they wouldn't mind someone else making that tough call for them. I, I don't think they really want to be heavily regulated. I don't think they would be in favor of many regulations that people would propose of Facebook, but I think they'd be okay in this example. If rules came about that allowed them to take political ads, but shaped what could be in those, I think they could live with that. In a final question for you, you know, Twitter, as you said, you know, this is a small dollar thing for Twitter, right? Uh, the CFO yesterday said that, that political ads was just $3 million during the 2018 midterms. Why so little? In other words, is Twitter just not a great platform for pure political advertising? You know, I don't know. I think Twitter is in many ways less mature as a business model. And so I think all of their things tend to be smaller than Facebook. They tend to have less resources to fight misinformation, but they tend to be a simpler system. And I think this is an example where, you know, I think they're just a little bit less mature. I'm surprised at it, to be honest. I'm surprised that candidates weren't using it more because there are some pretty good ways to target advertisements. 
but Facebook was clearly more effective or candidates would be spending more on Twitter. Ina Freed, Chief Technology Correspondent for Axios and writer of the daily Axios login newsletter, which you can get at signup.axios.com. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dan. My final two right after this. ProRata is presented by America's Beverage Companies. Not all plastic is the same. Our 100% recyclable plastic bottles and caps are made to be remade. And we want every bottle back so that our bottles can become new bottles and not end up in oceans, rivers, and beaches. That's why we're working together to reduce our industry's plastic footprint with a new initiative called Every Bottle Back. Because the more bottles we remake, the less new plastic we use. Learn more at everybottleback.org. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Boeing, whose CEO faced relentless grilling yesterday on Capitol Hill. You know, because his company made faulty planes that caused lots and lots of people to die. The biggest revelation came when the House Transportation Committee presented internal Boeing documents showing that some company engineers had discovered the fatal flaw before the MAX's original crash in Indonesia, but that the information was not communicated in time to regulators. And again, just to be clear, the engineers wrote that the new flight control system's flaw could be, quote, potentially catastrophic. Oh, and then this morning, Australia's Qantas Airlines grounded a different type of Boeing plane after being informed that an area near the wing was prone to cracking. Seriously. Now, lots of lawmakers yesterday called for the CEO Mullenberg to step down, but so far he's only been willing to split the CEO and chairman roles. It seems to me that many, many CEOs have lost their job for much, much less. And finally this morning, Fiat Chrysler announced that it will merge with Peugeot maker PSA Group in a $50 billion mega merger that would create the world's fourth largest automaker by sales. And unlike when Fiat Chrysler tried to merge with Renault earlier this year, the Peugeot deal is expected to get French government approval. Why it matters is that this sort of transaction is how smaller car makers are trying to deal with the big costs of electrification, autonomy, and environmental regulation. If they can team up, maybe they can save some cash. The big question now is if this is the right deal for Fiat Chrysler to reach those goals, or if it will need to add yet a third car company once it fully incorporates Peugeot. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Jesse Lee, have a happy Halloween, and we'll be back on Monday with another Pro Rata Podcast.